0: Deal. He throws to the end zone, looking for Cup. On the back nice. pylon, Time. touchdown, LA from 19 yards. Jericho drops it in the bucket. Cousins back to pass again. Looks right, shakes the shoulders, fires over the middle. Caught dealing. 2015 into the end zone, touchdown. God takes the shotgun snap. Nice pocket to deal from. He wings one down the middle.
1: Welcome to week four of the National Football League, TSN 4 Downs. I'm Andy McNamara, delivered by Domino's. Great show for you today, folks. Man, you heard right there. What a kickoff. The 38-31 win Rams over the Vikings. My goodness. What happened to those two vaunted defenses? Those are supposed to be two of the best D's in the NFL, shredded. Over 1,000 yards of offense between the two. Unbelievable. Man, we go, got a lot to get to today, because that was the start. But there's a whole lot of drama and a whole lot going on to go through the rest of these games, including the Monday Nighter this week. And as I said, folks, delivered by Domino's, go grab yourself a loaded medium-feast pizza for just ten ninety nine. Check out all the great side dishes, desserts, and deals at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. On the guest line this week, on the Domino's delivery line, in about 12-13 eh, about minutes' time, we'll have fantasy football writer from The Athletic, Jake Seeley. So we'll get Jake's takes, some stardom em, sit ems for Week 4 on the fantasy football side. Then WGR 550 host and Bills beat reporter Sal Capaccio in a half hour. And he's not just going to talk about the Bills and that shocking, shocking upset over the Minnesota Vikings. 17-point underdogs, Josh Allen hurtling... Like, it just, it was crazy. It was lightning in a bottle, I think. But Josh Allen continues to show improvement, and the Bills now go into Lambeau. That's a different animal. But we'll talk with Sal, but not just about the Bills, but also the surprisingly wide open AFC East. Like, that has turned into arguably the most interesting division in football. The Patriots are under 500, the Dolphins are undefeated, the Jets have a quarterback in Sam Darnold, they're, they're kind of struggling a little bit, and the Bills are just flying high emotionally after that upset victory. So Sal Capaccio will talk to you about that. We'll also get your fantasy football questions in using hashtag AskAndy on Twitter at AndyMC81 and at TSN4Downs, TSN and the number 4 down. So any fantasy football questions, use that hashtag AskAndy and tweet me at AndyMC81, and we'll get to that in the last segment of the show. Also our DraftKings contest. You can go to DraftFree.com and get into the Andy Mack Invitational. You can go head to head with me and see if you can win some money in this week four. But we got a lot to get to. There's a lot of news and notes. Let's go to three and out. First down. And these early season Thursday night games—they've—they've they've been awesome. Like the, the the start with Philly Atlanta, that was a bit of a dud. The Ravens and Bengals game in week two kind of eked up a little bit. The Browns and and Jets matchup with the emergence of Baker Mayfield, rookie of the week, by the way. Just saying. And then last night, or then Thursday night, the Rams and the Vikings. They've been amazing. Two of the best defenses taking the night off. Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, thrown for well over 400 yards. LA came out on top 38 31. Goff was a rock star. Five touchdowns. Five touchdowns. This guy wasn't supposed to have that good of an arm. He was dropping dimes. But just two years ago, Goff was being viewed in his rookie year under the Jeff Fisher, the mustache, led Rams as a first overall pick. Bust. ESPN's Louis Riddick
0: sounds off on those who wrote off Jared Goff too early. In Jared Goff's rookie year, after seven games, people said, time to go ahead and get him out of this league. He's not very good. You know, hard knocks did him no justice at all. People tried to really portray him as someone who wasn't very smart, someone who couldn't learn very fast. He couldn't get the verbiage down pat. as far as that archaic offense he was running in 2016. And people thought he was going to be a tremendous bust and that the gap between him and Carson Wentz would never be closed. In comes Sean McVay, considered one of the brightest, smartest people in the NFL that we've seen in a long time. All of a sudden, he strikes up a relationship with Jared. They actually start putting some weaponry around him. They get a guy like Robert Woods. They get a guy like Cooper Cup. All of a sudden, Todd Gurley looks a lot better. They sign a guy like Andrew Whitworth. And next thing you know, this guy's in the Pro Bowl. And then the next thing you know, he's on to having a game like last night to where he is throwing four touchdowns and a half. I'm telling you, context is always important. But how much Don't of that is off,
2: and how much of that is actually McVay?
0: You know, Tom Brady even says this. I'm a system quarterback. Everybody's a system quarterback. You need the help of coaches. Coaches, there isn't a great coach who isn't a great coach without great players, and vice versa. And you're right. Sean is brilliant. He's going to go down as one of the best play callers and probably one of the best overall coaches that this game has ever seen when his career is done. So you're right. That marriage is perfect. And it is something that I'm telling you is going to be something we're going to be watching for a long time. So be careful when you're getting ready to throw players out, you know, out in the trash when you don't really necessarily consider what is around him and what the relationship is like. You can make yourself look foolish when you do that. Jared Goff is making a lot of people look foolish.
1: Great point by Lewis there. In that you got to look at the system. And yeah, I hate the term system quarterback. Everyone's in a system, right? Now you have raw talent that can overcome and play in multiple systems. The, the Fisher offense was archaic with Goff. And he was a rookie. And he came in partway through the season. Didn't even have a full training camp as the starter. But now you see him grow. And I can't stress this enough. That when you have the complementary running back. When you have the stud back there. It makes all the difference in the world. All the difference. Because you can't stack. If you stack the box against Todd Gurley. Goff's going to burn you. And those multiple weapons. He doesn't have a favorite. Like Woods might be targeted more. But Cooper Cup went off. So you have to cover Cup. Cooks, uh, Woods, Gurley's catching out of the backfield. You can't target one specific area. That's what makes them so dangerous. All right, let's move on. Second down. Big signing for multiple reasons by the Carolina Panthers, who inked defensive back Eric Reed. And Reed, of course, was with the 49ers, was not re signed. He was in, was one of the first people to take a knee with Colin Kaepernick in the national anthem protest. In on the collusion suit against the NFL. Well, TSN NFL insider Jabari Greer joined Sports Center's Carol Wagland to chat about the significance of the Reed signing and if Kaepernick could be next.
3: I think it's significant in two ways. First, on the football field, the Carolina Panthers have one of the worst secondaries in all of NFL. Uh, The way that they cover has been atrocious these last couple games. And Eric Reed is a guy that can go from sideline to sideline. He's had 10 career interceptions, and he's an enforcer in the middle as a smaller linebacker. This guy can go up, he can play on the line and play deep, but socially, for the Carolina Panthers, this is great PR for them. Uh, we remember that they had some issues with Jerry Richardson. The reason why he had to sell be- is what was because there was some investigations on some racial and sexual allegations in the organization now they get to turn the page and show that they're trying to be on the right side of history by giving eric reed a person who can play some good football a chance to play football again i think it's a signing that's great for the carolina panthers
0: so if we're looking at bigger picture implications do you think this could lead to maybe someone giving colin kaepernick a shot
3: no, I don't think that Colin Kaepernick is going to get a shot anytime soon, and that's because he plays a different position. Being the quarterback, it's, much, it's a much different transition being off for two years than it would be as a free or strong safety, uh, even a backup quarterback. But more importantly, Karius, I don't actually think that Colin Kaepernick wants to play football. Now, he's been the face of this social change for the last couple of years, and I think that with Nike paying him this money now, I don't believe he wants to go out there. And get hit anymore. So I think he's fine where he is.
1: I totally agree with Jabari here. We we haven't heard from Kaepernick if he he even wants to play anymore. And he'd have to come in a a backup role in this sense after being out for so long. And I still feel, I've said this on the show before, the reason Eric Reed is back in the NFL and Kaepernick is not, a large part of that is because Reed can still be an impact player. Reed can still be a game changer. And there's a significant need. The league in any sport makes room for four stars. Makes room for guys to come back and be forgiven if they can still play. It's just been too long out of the game for for Colin Kaepernick. Let's go. Third down. Deep quarterback class has past NFL draft. And this week, the top four, all of them are starting. So you got the Browns' Baker Mayfield, was Rookie of the Week, takes on Oakland. Sam Darnold's Jets head to Jacksonville. Buffalo's Josh Allen battles the Packers in Lambeau. And the winless Cardinals now put Josh Rosen in charge versus the Seahawks. There will be overreactions for sure coming out of this. But I'm very interested to see how this deep butt flawed. All these quarterbacks coming out had something wrong with them. There's no perfect prospect here how this all plays out. So now you know what? Let's let's punt right to the poll question here. Punt to the poll question. And you can vote at TSN four downs, at TSN the number four downs, and at Andy MC eighty one. The top four quarterbacks drafted will all start this week. Which one Which rookie QB puts up the best numbers and produces a win? So which rookie QB puts up the best numbers and produces a win? Is it going to be Mayfield versus the Raiders? Darnold versus the Jags? Allen versus the Packers? Rosen versus the Seahawks? Real quick here, if you look at Darnold versus the Jaguars, and Darnold's been a little bit on the decline, he's a rookie. I still think he's going to be real good. I do. But that Jags D, it's nasty. Josh Allen versus the Packers, they're not going to be catching anybody by surprise anymore. Packers defense can be had, though. I think Allen might be able to have a decent day. Rosen versus the Seahawks. That Seahawks defense, we've seen how revamped that has been. Not the Legion of Boom level, but Josh Rosen to me. And I've said this since the draft. He's just—he's another Sam Bradford. He's statuesque. He's brittle. Never finished a full college football season. And I just don't think he's going to be able to last. Now, if we're talking this week specifically, I'm feeling a lot of dink and dunks and... Maybe they'll lean on David Johnson a little bit more. So I'll go with Baker Mayfield and the Raiders because there's no pressure. There's no pressure. Did John Gruden said it himself? Hey, pass rushers are hard to find. You get rid of Khalil Mack. You give a rookie quarterback who's coming off rookie of the week with the weapons around him and he's going to be comfortable in the pocket. I think Mayfield has the best chance to have the best week. But you can vote at TSN four downs, TSN the number four downs, and at Andy MC 81 on which rookie QB will put up the best numbers and produce a win. This week, after the break, we'll get into some fantasy football talk with great writer from The Athletic, Jake Seely. the all-in kid. We'll be all-in with him next here on TSN 4 Downs. Welcome back to TSN 4 Downs here on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1150 Hamilton. Andy McNamara with you. Get me on Twitter at AndyMC81. The show at TSN 4 Downs and on Instagram at andymc Sports, we are delivered by Domino's. Go get, hey, perfect football food, right? Go get yourself a loaded medium feast pizza for ten ninety nine. or check out all the great deals, pizza, side dishes, dessert at dominos.ca That's dominos.ca Well, there's injuries afoot. There's week four people. The, the, the whole fantasy football world is upside down with Pat Mahomes and Ryan Fitzpatrick rocking out over the first few weeks. So we're going to break it down with some stardom, sit and get into it with fantasy football writer from The Athletic, Jake Seeley. But let's begin with the Detroit Lions, who the preseason was terrible with Matt Patricia. Then they shocked the Patriots. But when we're looking at this from a fantasy perspective, what do you think overall of the weapons there in Detroit? Because you have Stafford. He's a perennial 4,000-plus yard passer. Kenny Galladay's really popping up. And then you got that running back committee. What do you make overall of the fantasy options for the Lions?
2: It, more often than not, I'm going to be on board with Stafford and the receivers. And, you know, like, I actually had a bold prediction for the season that they were going to have three receivers inside the top 40. I was not expecting Kenny Galladay to be the number one,
1: though.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting him to check in, and, you know, somewhere inside even like 30, 35, maybe battling with Marvin Jones. I certainly wasn't expecting this, but you have to be excited about it. What I'm more concerned about is obviously the running back situation. What a surprise somebody from the Patriots has a muddled backfield where everybody gets their touches. And the funny thing is is Kerriana Johnson is great and I love the kid's talent, but if you notice, if they're down, he gets the same amount of work. If they're up, he gets the same amount of work. Right. It's it's more about Laguerra Blunt and Theo Riddick, which this game if I'm betting I would lean more towards Blunt, but I'm staying away from this game when I can, depending on my situations. Like, I rank Stafford lower than most, Marvin Jones lower than most, even Golden Tate. I think Golden Tate could disappoint in a non-PPR league because the Cowboys drag out the clock. They run so few plays, which also keeps the other team from running more plays. And it ends up being like, if you want to make money, go bet the under in all the Cowboys games. It's pretty much almost every nice. single time. And that's my concern. It's not that I don't love Stafford and the receivers, It's just when you're talking about going from 65 plays down to 50, you're looking at the impact across the board for everybody when it comes to fantasy.
1: Right, right. And, and yeah, that's for the Lions. As you said, Kenny Galladay, just such a surprise popping up there. Now, let's move to the Tennessee Titans here. Boy, they, it seems like the Blaine Gabbert days are behind us. Thank goodness. And, <laughs> and Marcus Mariota. Now with Rashard Matthews being released, um, are you buying any of the Titans wideouts for either this week or really for the rest of the season? Because Corey Davis has just seemed to be always on the cusp but hasn't been
2: able to break through. Yeah, so, okay, a couple things. One is I don't really want anything to do with this entire matchup this week against the Eagles. Maybe if I'm going with anybody, it is Corey Davis, and I'm a huge fan of Corey Davis. And if I'm out there in leagues and people are looking to buy low, Corey Davis is one of the top names. David Johnson obviously is among the top, if not the top, but Corey Davis is definitely up there for me. Because if you look at it, even with the matchup last week against the Jaguars, He's still getting plenty of targets. Last week was the lowest so far, but if you also you look at the team share, he's got 30% of the team share. He's got double the next closest person on the team, and the next closest person on the team isn't even a wide receiver. It's Deion Lewis. He's a running back. Huh. So go get Corey Davis in your league for people that are panicking because of the slow start. Obviously, we're concerned about Mariota long-term because the finger is still an issue. But, yeah, I like Corey Davis. I would play him this week. Probably it would be hard to bench him. The backfield is something I'm staying completely away from. They have yet to let anybody rush for over 36 yards or catch over 26 yards. So I don't want anything to do with Deion Lewis or Derrick Henry in this game, honestly.
1: No, and then outside of Davis at receiver, as you said, it's, it's Deion Lewis who's a running back. Because then it's Taewon Taylor... Okay, he, yeah. he he has some, some upside, maybe long term. So we're doing
2: back. the Tajay Sharp thing again.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. Tajay Sharp. And then, oh, uh, oh hey, John, remember a couple of weeks ago? John U. Smith, he's the next big. John W Smith hasn't done squat.
2: There's nothing. The no, problem. I was. Look, <laughs> I lost Delaney, Delaney Walker, and because of how miserable the tight end position is, the first thing I did was like, yeah, hey, you know what? I'll take a flyer on John Who's He's more athletic. Maybe he can be in that Evan Ingram type of role where, you know, they don't ask him to pass block, just go run routes. Uh, but that, yeah, like you said, has completely done nothing. I mean, it's, it, it's not so much the pieces' fault as the offense hasn't gotten out of track because, like you said, go back to the injury with Mariota. And then, as you mentioned, we had to experience Blaine Gabbert for a time, and that's mm. never going to be a good thing. So, oh. you know, I would take a flyer on Taiwan Taylor. I actually picked him up in a bunch of leagues in the morning, like leagues I forgot about because I'm in way too many. <laughs> and I was surprised he was still available in some like, He's going to be the number two. I was joking, saying that to you about we're doing the Tajay Sharp thing again. It's like go take a flyer on Taiwan Taylor. Everybody was excited about him in the preseason. Yeah, and then I like them. just—it's funny. I don't get that. And no, by the way, Rashard Matthews didn't get released. My, he he quit. He's a crybaby quitter. That's what he is. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah, he didn't get enough targets, so he's taking his ball and going home.
2: And who knows where he's going to end up? Yeah. Well, that's. People are like, oh, I'm going to stash him. I'm like, why? You really think, the other 31 teams want somebody who quit on it? Like, right. it's one thing to go back if we're going to say, you know, what happened with the Bills, like, like, at least he retired <laughs> forever. This was just, I don't <laughs> want to play for the team anymore. I'm out of here.
1: Yeah, that, that's bad attitude and red flags all over the place. Now, Jake, if we stick with this game and go to the other side with the Eagles, you have JJ back. He's playing with a fracture in his back. Um, that, that doesn't scream uh, fantasy reliability to me. Are you, oh, let, let's take this twofold. If you have him in your league, are you starting him? And if you're looking at him in DraftKings at 5500 bucks, are you picking him up?
2: So, second question, absolutely not. No way on DraftKings. I'm not touching it I don't want anything to do with this backfield to begin with because no. everybody tries to make excuses. It's funny. We have certain situations, and I understand why, because you want a piece of the excitement because there is production. It's. I was saying, they made the same excuses for the Eagles that they've done with the Patriots and always trying to say, well, I can figure it out this time. I can figure out who the running back's going to be. And even last year, Deion Lewis at the end of the season was an RB2, but it was a roller coaster to get there. And people are like, oh, forget it. Doug Peterson, I know he's always been a committee, but, you know, he's never had somebody like J.H.I. Or, you know, look at what J.H.I. did in these games. They're like – they still ignored the fact, if you looked at the playoffs, too, as you look at the use, and Doug Peterson is a committee coach. He's mm-hmm. always been that way and always will be that way. So I didn't want anything to do with it to begin with. And then on top of it, you have these injuries. I wasn't more concerned about his knee heading into the season because it's bone on bone, and it's, it's something that – is never going to be able to get better. It's always just going to be, when is it finally going to be the end of his career? Yeah. And now you add him the back. And, I mean, honestly, at this point, now we're getting to the, for the people that remember, we're going down the Grant Hill, Nomar Garcia-Pera road here, where it's always <laughs> going to be something new with him. And it's unfortunate because he is talented. I made it. it look, I was on his side coming out of college saying he probably would have went in the first or second round, if not for the knee issue. Uh, but at this point, I don't see how you can trust him. In your standard league, I, I think that you almost have to because as soon as you get down to JGI, you're talking about other shared backfields. Like right. we just talked about, it. like do you want to talk about the other side of the ball? I'm going to start JGI over Lewis or Henry, uh, so I could see you starting them in certain situations. But uh, if you if he has a good game immediately try to sell high just get away from it
1: right (laughs) yeah yeah put him on the trade block and go from there in conversation with jake Sealy from the athletic does the all in sports pod on twitter at all in kid let's get to a twitter question here using hashtag ask andy at andymc81 here on tsn four downs and this one comes from keith here jake he says seahawks wide receiver doug Baldwin. For week four, so Baldwin said he's good to go. We know that I, I, never, I never feel comfortable with any Seattle receiver or anybody outside of Russell Wilson personally, but they're going up against the Cardinals and the Cardinals blow. Is this a good time to go with Doug Baldwin?
2: You know, I, I find it hard that if you had him on your team and where you drafted him, because even when he was injured, people were still taking him in the first four or five rounds, even with that whole 85% news or like he's never going to be healthy this entire season, people are still taking him there. And I I find it hard that you have the wide receiver depth of where you could bench Baldwin. Now, if you're in a two-wide receiver league with one flex, then you probably don't need to risk it. But for what Baldwin could do, even if he gets, let's say, 60% of the snaps, I mean, the touchdown potential with him, we know he's a wide receiver one with Russell Wilson. We know he's a wide receiver one by himself. It's just whether or not what is he going to be in this? And the Patrick Peterson thing is something we know we don't have to worry too much about in this matchup. And, you know, he might see him part of the game. He's probably not going to see him the entire game. So I would risk it. But like I said, I think that if you have a shallow enough roster that there's no need to, if you have safe enough options, like, I'm trying to say, like, you know, Emmanuel Sanders. I'm starting Emmanuel Sanders for the
1: safety over him. That type of play. Yeah, it, and I, I love what Emmanuel Sanders has done so far this year. He's had to. Uh, Dave
2: Keenum loves him. Yeah,
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. So, And and jump back to Baldwin as we wrap up here, Jake. Um, so that's for league. He's 5500 bucks in DraftKings. Again, we kind of look at that, all right, kind of that, that sweet spot. Is, is he worth the gamble against the Cardinals team with his first week back? We don't know the rust. We don't know the usage or targets that are going to go to him.
2: Well, because there's so many options that are even cheaper, like I love Sterling Shepard at $4,900 Ooh, against the Saints. Yeah, I, I also yeah. love Ted Ginn against the Giants in that same game because if you saw last week what Will Fuller did, you want that second wide receiver, that cheap one, the one with the big playability mm-hmm. against the Giants. And There's options like that where Doug Baldwin, to me, if he's in my lineup, it's because i built at least 10 lineups and I'm throwing one out there with Russell Wilson and Doug Baldwin yeah. and trying to win a tournament. Uh, that would be the only case, but it's tough for me to even like it that much because, like I said, there's, there's a lot of appealing, big, high options with similar ceilings this week like Shepard and Ginn that I, I, I think you like, would have to be one of ten lineups for me to do it.
1: Right, just as a, a throw-in. Uh, Jake, great stuff as always, man. Tell people where they can find you, hear your work, read you, and all that good stuff.
2: Yeah, head over to the athletic, the fantasy section. Everything's there at Twitter, at All the Kid, as you mentioned, and uh, All In Sports podcast, which is out every week. And, but the easiest way to do it is just go to Twitter because I tweet all that stuff out nonstop. So can, <laughs> like I always say, hashtag go check the link. I, I, I provide it for you.
1: <laughs> it's perfect. Thanks, Jake. Thank you. There he is, Jake Seeley from The Athletic. After the break, I'm going to swing around the whole AFC East. To me, the most fascinating division in football right now with WGR 550 host and Bills beat reporter Sal Capaccio. That is next on TSN Four Downs.
3: From
4: the 26, Allen. Going to throw it.
0: But got a man wide open at
4: the ticks, and he's caught into the end zone. Touchdown! This one is over. The Bills are in the W column with an impressive 27-6 win over the previously unbeaten Minnesota Vikings. Vikings shell-shocked.
1: Bills took everybody by surprise. Won't be able to do that this week in Lambeau against the Green Bay Packers. Welcome back. The TSN 4 Downs here on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1150 Hamilton. Andy McNamara with you on Twitter, at AndyMC81. The show, at TSN 4 Downs. We are delivered by Domino's. Go check out all the great pizza deals, folks. The medium feast pizza is just $10.99. The boneless chicken, the pasta, the marbled cookie brownie for dessert. All perfect football food. Go check it out at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. Well, there's the Bills. The Dolphins are undefeated. The Jets look like they have a quarterback. And the Patriots are under 500 on a two-game losing streak. What the hell is going on in the AFC East? Well, a little bit earlier, I chatted with WGR 550 host and Bills beat reporter Sal Capaccio to try to figure this all out. Well, the AFC East has quickly turned into arguably the most interesting division in football. You have Josh Allen with the Bills hurtling over defenders, overcoming tremendous odds. The Patriots are under five hundred. The Miami Dolphins are undefeated, and the Jets look like they have a quarterback, too. They'll break it all down. Sal Capaccio from WGR 550 in Buffalo covers the Bills. Sal, how's it going, man?
5: Good, good. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me.
1: Oh, well, thank you. And uh, let's start... With Josh Allen, and listen, everybody, and it was the easy pick, and it seemed like the logical pick last week, Vikings 17-point favorites over the Bills, Buffalo and one, it just looked like it was going to be a bloodbath, then Josh Allen happened, and if you just look at the stat line, not necessarily wowing numbers, but boy, he looked like he took charge of that offense, and really potentially started something special, what were some of your takeaways from his debut?
5: Yeah, look, I mean, nobody thought the Bills were going to go to Minnesota and win, much less do it in the fashion that they did, first of all. And second of all, you know, Josh, he played well. He was not – I'm not going to put him in the Hall of Fame after that (laughs) game. There were things that he certainly can still clean up. There's no doubt about it. But I think most encouraging was, you know, he executed the offense. He was given good situations by the defense. He took advantage. He ran exactly what was called for by the game plan. Um, And, you know, from play to play, some of the things he did was – He kept his eyes downfield when he had to scramble. He found open receivers when the play broke down. So I I think it was all encouraging, and Bill's fans should be excited by what they saw. But still a lot of room to grow. Uh, He had some misses early on after the ball was snapped, maybe not seeing guys where he should have seen them. Bailed out of the pocket a couple times too soon. We've seen that. So I think all those things have to factor in, but I think all things considered, he had a nice game.
1: And Sal, when you go back, to the, the pre-draft process, and I, I'm a draft junkie, so I'm, I'm falling from the Senior Bowl, the East-West Shrine Bowl, Combine, and all that. What I noticed about Josh Allen specifically, okay, you take the college numbers, Obviously not great, yeah, yeah. The, the accuracy issues and all that. But through each step, I saw him progress. The footwork got a bit better at, at the uh, uh, Senior Bowl. Then at the Combine, you saw some of the accuracy in him looking around. Then in the preseason. So what's encouraging for me and, and for, for Bill's fans would be each step of the way, this guy knows he has to improve things, but he's doing it. And that whole offense and, and entire team looked energized with him under center. And that's half the battle right there.
5: Yeah, I mean, you're you're really right about what you just said about improving. And I'll tell you, when Josh Allen came to the Bills, we all heard about his arm talent Mm -hmm. and his athleticism. We all knew that. The one thing that I think kept coming up that was um, really encouraging and surprising to me that we didn't hear a lot about was how smart he is. And people kept telling me, he's really smart. He's really smart. In fact, I kept hearing from guys that he doesn't make the same mistake twice. You know, we've kind of seen that. We've seen him really improve on things and clean things up. He's really worked hard on that footwork. And I think he's in a good spot with that right now still has uh, some cleaning up to do when he does miss. A lot of times it's because of that. Um, And then as far as his leadership and guys being energized, that's what it is. You know, it's funny, Josh Allen, if you walk into a Bills locker room, any any day it is this week or whatever week, he's usually playing ping pong with one of the guys. There's a ping pong table in the middle there. Not all quarterbacks and franchise quarterbacks are going to be doing that. No guys play, but he's one of the guys is my point. And he never seems like he's too big for the team. Hey, I'm the quarterback. He doesn't big-time guys. I think he fits right in, and I think that's really not lost
1: on his teammates. No, I'm, I'm with you. So let's move ahead now. They went into Minnesota and beat them, going into Lambeau. That's, that's a different animal altogether there with the Packers, Aaron Rodgers. Now the Packers, nine and a half point favorites. What, what do you expect? Cause now, now people aren't going to be surprised by what Josh Allen can do necessarily, and they can see, see this coming. What do you expect, not just from Allen, but from this Bills team as a whole going up against the Pack?
5: Well, look, first of all, they're going to get LaShawn McCoy back, it appears. We're not sure on that yet, but that's going to be a big help for Josh Allen. Even though you know LaShawn has not played particularly well, and I think that's mostly on the offensive line, mm-hmm. having him as a threat behind him uh, lining up I think is really big for defensive coordinators to have to worry about, and then it gives Josh Allen maybe a few more opportunities. I've gone back and watched uh, the Packers on tape this week. I think there's opportunities for the Bills to let Josh Allen throw it downfield. I think their safeties have kind of struggled. Uh, they're going to have an opportunity, I think, maybe to make some plays in the passing game. And then we'll really see if Josh Allen, where that progression is, when the real bullets are flying and he has to do that, other than what he did last week, which was mostly short throws. And then when things presented himself, he did a nice job to get the ball downfield here or there. So, uh, I think you're going to see a little bit more of the opening up the playbook this week if things are, you know, according to script and this game isn't out of hand one way or the other. And that's going to be really interesting to see where Josh Allen is with that.
1: In conversation with Sal Capaccio, Buffalo Bills beat writer, sideline reporter, host on WGR 550 on Twitter, at Sal Sports. So, Sal, let's swing around the rest of this AFC East. I said off the top here, man, this division, which is typically pretty boring in the sense that, all right, well, the Patriots are going to win. And that's just how how life works. and, And off we go. Well. All right, the Miami Dolphins are 3-0, Patriots are under five hundred, and there's a division game in Foxborough. The Patriots don't lose two in a row very often, never mind three. When you look at, at this matchup specifically, I'm not buying the Dolphins as Super Bowl contenders or anything, but what do you make of, of the start of these two teams?
5: I'm not a believer in the Dolphins yet, but they've certainly played better than I thought. Um, yeah. This is a team I thought would be one of the bottom in the NFL. It doesn't appear that's going to be the case although I'm not too impressed with their wins yet. Uh, they've done everything they've had to do to win games, so I'll give them credit for that, obviously. This is a different test, though. Going to Foxborough mm-hmm. with a team that's really got its back against the wall, and they have all those great players, obviously, with Brady and Gronk and Belichick on the sidelines. But I just think the Patriots are struggling. Uh, something, something's just not right with them. I think it starts with their defense. I don't know if they'll, their defense will get right this year. They don't have the players that they've had. I think their offensive line is a work in progress and really a, a, on the downside of – where they've been. And that's not adding up to a 41 year old Tom Brady being able to do what he can do. He's, uh, without his top receivers. They do have Josh Gordon that's going to come in and play. Obviously they do have Edelman. They're going to have back, but I'm really interested. You know, it's, it's funny if, if the Patriots do lose to the Dolphins and somehow the Bills happen to beat Green Bay and the Jets win. Patriots would be in last place oh. alone in the AFC East. And, and I think that's what makes it interesting. When you say it's become one of the more interesting divisions in football, no doubt about that. But there's one reason, and that's because the Patriots aren't winning, which mm-hmm. creates everybody else having more of an opportunity and a chance, which just hasn't been the case really for two decades.
1: Yeah, and Sal, what's, what's going to be, I think, fascinating to watch is everybody just assumes, all right, well, the Patriots will figure it out. Maybe September's slow. And, and, heck, they still could. They could be in the Super Bowl this year, and no one would really be that surprised. But at some point... You mentioned 41-year-old Tom Brady, the offensive line. Like, there, there are chinks in the armor here and, and coming down. And at some yeah. point, father time always wins. I, I don't know if it'll be this year, but that's something to follow. Like you said, if they go to one and three, and all of a sudden, yeah, the Dolphins might not be there. But that's still a heck of a hill to, to, to climb over if you're the Patriots, if you somehow lose this game, right?
5: Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, because what's going to happen the rest of the year? They still have tough games on their schedule. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, unless they were to run the table, which is possible. They've done that before. I mean, if you're looking at one and three, I mean, uh, you're looking at uh, the rest of the schedule where you're going to have to make sure that they they do, you know, just continue to win if they want to be back in the accustomed spot that they're used to. I think what's interesting about New England, though, but you're right, I, I have not, like other people, have in the past I did throw dirt on them a couple of years ago maybe you know maybe I've done it more than once (laughs) I'm not going to do that again this year so (laughs) I know that they can bounce back but I will say if I was a Patriots fan I'd be scared I'd be worried this could be the end I mean there are signs that this team may be in a situation where they're not going to be able to recover this year and if they don't there's going to be changes in that organization boy
1: all those fake Patriot fans outside of Boston wouldn't that be nice man Ah. Yes. Uh, last one for you here, Sal. Let's go to the, the New York Jets taking on the Jaguars. We know that Jags D, it's nasty. And it's, it's been interesting. You have Sam Darnold, who certainly flashed at a great debut, but has shown some regression, and that's not necessarily all on him. But when you look at the Jets compared to the rest of the AFC East, where do you kind of map them out at this early point of the season?
5: You know, what's funny is um, the Bills and the Jets are both one and two. Yet I think both fan bases feel completely different about their teams right yeah. now, uh, where they are. And especially because of how the contrasting opinion they would have had after week one for both teams, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I think it's kind of been a reversal for the two. After the Bills were just horrible in Baltimore in week one, and the Jets were really good in Detroit in week one, you know, Jets fans were like, hey, we got our guy, Sam Darnold, look what we're going to do. Bills fans were like, oh my God, what are we going to do here? And now, two weeks later, kind of a reverse. And look, I've watched, Pretty much every Sam Darnold pass this year and watched a lot of the Jets. I'm interested in Darnold because he's in the class of Fallon. And i got to tell you, they don't let him throw downfield. I don't know if they're scared to do it. I know he doesn't have the strongest arm in the world. But I'd be a little concerned if I was a Jets fan about why they're not allowing Sam Darnold to do the things that maybe a franchise quarterback should be able to do, even even this early on. Uh, Jeremy Bates was promoted as their offensive coordinator because of what he did as QB coach last year with Josh McCown, which is a really good job. But right now, I'd be a little worried about where I am with Sam Darnold and how come they're not allowing him to throw the ball downfield. Everything's horizontal. Everything's a dumb ball. And then you know you go to what they are as a team overall. You know they they don't have necessarily a great offensive line. Um, I think I like their defense. There's questions about Todd Bowles. So I think Jets fans are in an interesting spot right now with their team and. Certainly they have no easy game this week, go to Jacksonville, who lost last week and want to get get a win this week. They could be staring at one and three. So Bills fans have to be feeling probably a lot different than Jets fans because of the Bills fans coming off of that high at Minnesota last week.
1: Yeah, you're totally right, a complete reversal. Well, it's going to be a fun ride into week four, and I'm sure the rest of the season. Sal, thank you so much for the time, man.
5: Anytime, man. Thank you very much.
1: There he goes, Sal Capaccio, WGR 550 host and Bill's Beat reporter talking about the surprisingly interesting AFC East. We're going to take the break and come back to wrap up TSN 4 Downs with some fantasy football talk. I got my sleepers. We'll answer your questions. You can still get them in. Hashtag AskAndy on Twitter at AndyMC81. Hashtag AskAndy at AndyMC81. We'll also tee up our own DraftKings contest where you can join in and, hey, compete head-to-head, try to win some cash. How about that? TSN 4 Downs we're wrapping up next here on TSN 1050 Toronto and TSN 1150 Hamilton. Back to wrap up the week four edition in the National Football League of TSN 4 Downs, TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1150 Hamilton. I'm Andy McNamara on Twitter at AndyMCD1. The show at TSN 4 Downs. If you missed any of the program, you can find it on iTunes. You can go on the tsn1050.ca show page right under the show section. Be right there. I'll have my smiling face looking right at you for TSN 4 Downs, and I'll have it pinned on Twitter at AndyMC81 and on Instagram at AndyMCSports. Want to get a poll update here, our Domino's Canada uh, show poll. Of the first four quarterbacks drafted will all start Sunday. Which rookie QB puts up the best numbers and produces a win? Baker Mayfield versus the Raiders. Sam Darnold versus the Jaguars. Josh Allen versus the Packers, or Josh Rosen versus the Seahawks, leading the way so far. Seventy-one percent Mayfield versus the Raiders, and that's going to be my bet. I'm bringing producer Sean Lavry here, get his vote too. But I'm going with Mayfield, Shawnee, because you look at there's no pass rush from the Raiders. John Gruden has admitted it, right? So you have a rookie quarterback who likes to push the ball downfield, who's not going to be pressured. You compare that to Sam Darnold and the Jaguars' nasty defense, Josh Allen and the Packers, who the Packers' defense can be had, but Josh Allen isn't going to be catching anybody by surprise this week. And, of course, poor Clay Matthews isn't going to know what to do if he comes face-to-face with Josh, with Josh Allen. You just look at a quarterback too hard, and he's going to get a roughing the passer, and Josh Rosen, I just think, is going to get shredded versus the Seahawks. He's just a, a younger Sam Bradfield, uh, Bradford. Not mobile. Brittle.
4: So I'll go with Mayfield. How are you voting? You've said it all, and I think we've got some smart voters here. Uh, The 71% lead for Baker Mayfield going up against the Raiders. Uh, Sam Darnold has a a real tough test with the Jags' defense, like you said. Josh Rosen might be on the worst team in the NFL in the Arizona Cardinals. So he's in a tough position to succeed uh and then josh allen uh, I might add a flash in the pan with uh, that game against the vikings so what gotta a hurdle go with baker mayfield against the raiders uh, like you said uh the roster still does not have khalil mack on the oakland side <laughs> no. so uh john gruden's kind of uh, in the eight, behind the eight ball when it comes to putting up a pass rush against baker
1: yeah he really is uh and you can vote at tsn four downs on twitter right there but Fantasy football question time. Use the hashtag AskAndy and tweet me at
4: AndyMC. Do you want, Johnny? we got a few questions. We do have a few questions. Uh, the first one comes from BG. Is it worth, after the past couple of weeks, starting Jared Goff over Tom Brady at the QB position? Now, Jared Goff and the Rams are in Seattle next week, and Tom Brady and the Patriots, they play Miami this week at home, and then they're home to the Colts next week.
1: Well, uh, Well, it, it sure looks that way, right? Like, who would have thought we'd say over Tom Brady? At this point in the season... Yeah. Like, Jared Goff is just putting up huge numbers. It's not a fluke. It's continued over from last year. And for Tom Brady, look at his fantasy output. Last week, 8.52 fantasy points. 17.3 the week before. Week 1 started strong with 22. Now, Brady can bust out at any time, but that Miami defense for this week? Boy, it, it, that, that Dolphins defense is sneaky good. It keeps putting up double-digit fantasy points. And just overall... With the weapons around them, Brady still, even if Edelman comes, when Edelman comes back,
4: Goff is just so loaded. So I'll say, yeah, go with Jared Goff. Our second question come, it comes in two parts from 85 okay. Hashtag AskAndy, would you drop Nelson Aguilar, the Eagles' wide receiver, and pick up Allen Robinson, the Bears' wide receiver?
2: I would
1: say no. And that's even though Wentz does favor his tight ends. But Aguilar is still more valuable than, than Robinson with the Bears, right? Like you have Aguilar has the big play ability. Stay with him.
4: Now, the second part of this question, I guess this guy might be an Eagles fan. What's a good replacement for Jay Ajayi, the Eagles running back who isn't expected to be playing this weekend? Yeah, fractured back.
1: Oh, And even if he does play, it's just going to be, it has to be limited reps. Keep an eye on Leonard Fournette, too, folks, too. If he's in your lineup, he's going to be a true game-time decision. Maybe Ajayi, as well. So, now, this is always tricky, because without knowing who's on the person's waiver wire, so Massey's waiver wire at running back... And if it's anything like our TSN league, it's, it's mighty thin right now. So I would personally stick with Ajay for depth, but otherwise you get into real touchdown-dependent backs like Baltimore's Buck Allen, right? Like, if he scores, he's going to produce, but there's not a whole lot out there. The other Eagles backs, like, you're going to go, Corey Clement, he's banged up. Sproles is that. Like, there's not a whole lot out there. So track Ajay and just see from season-long perspective, I would hold on to him right now, because likely there's not a whole lot on that waiver wire.
4: Our final hashtag, Ask Andy, comes from Corey Ellis at 89CSE. Uh, Corey has Julio Jones and Tyler Boyd starting at wide receiver, and he wants to know who to flex. He has two wide receiver options. Sterling Shepard of the Giants, and the Giants are taking on the Saints in New York, or Calvin Ridley of the Falcons, who are at home to the Bengals. Yeah, this uh, I
1: love Tyler Boyd. He was one of my sleeper picks last year, and he's really started to emerge, along with A.J. Green. So that's those are two strong receivers, obviously, there. I really like... Both of these guys. Now, you see, Calvin Ridley, he's a riser with Atlanta. He's looking like that first-round caliber receiver. His targets went up, and he goes against a middle-of-the-pack Bengals defense. So I'm I'm comfortable with Ridley, but out of this comparison specifically for this matchup, I'm going with the giant Sterling Shepard man. Dead last Saints defense against wide receivers. That's who he's facing. They're always in shootouts. That defense that was so good last year for New Orleans has fallen apart. So... Shepard has emerged. Also, you have to consider Evan Engram is out. So the tight end option is out. That also raises Shepard's stock when it comes to the target list for Eli Manning. Could be a big week for Shepard. So I'll go with Sterling Shepard there. So there you go. Uh, We have some more, and I'll try to answer on uh, Twitter. Hashtag AskAndy and at AndyMC81 for your fantasy football questions here. So we've got a couple questions left. You guys can join in. This has been a lot of fun. We've had a lot of fun with this. Draftfree.com. You go to Draftfree.com. You play head-to-head with me, with producer Sean, right, And in, in our DraftKings contest. Try to win some money. Have some fun uh, with it. Now, to help, it might be a little you know counterintuitive since we'll be playing against each other, but you can sign up at Draftfree.com. But my sleeper picks for this week, this is where I try to slide some of these guys in. Andy Dalton. I'm loving this week against Atlanta because we mentioned Tyler Boyd. He's really improving. Even with an injured A.J. Green, guys, you look from a daily, persp- from a daily play, he's only 5400 bucks. He's going to be on your waiver wire. So if you're kind of hovering and not sure about quarterback, Andy Dalton has been a smart play. Coming off four interceptions, sure. Guy's going to have to ball out. All Atlanta does is-, is go in track meets. That's all they do, right? That- that's it. So I like Dalton in there. Another sleeper to go with this week. Going back to my Browns, Rashard Higgins, not Antonio Callaway, not Jarvis Landry, but Higgins. And the reason is, when you have a backup quarterback come in, who does he always work with in practice leading up? It's the receiver's farther down the depth chart, the backups, where Rashard Higgins has elevated himself with the departure of Josh Gordon to a WR3. He loves Baker Mayfield. These guys had great chemistry in training camp, in preseason. Higgins said, too, in an interview, he's like, Baker's over at my house all the time. These guys have great chemistry, and Higgins is making difficult catches. He's getting open. He's turning into a playmaker. And you look at his daily value, it's 3400 bucks for daily play. He's definitely going to be on your waiver wire if you're looking for a flex play. And maybe you have one of your guys in a bye. But Rashard Higgins, I think, could be up for a real big day against a soft Oakland defense. And it might turn into a little bit of a shootout there in the black hole because the Raiders' offense is still good. And they've had leads going into the fourth quarter all year. They've just blown it. So you could be getting into a shootout. There could be multiple targets. And you can go there. One more for you real quick. Dallas Goddard, tight end for Philly. You got uh, Travis. Uh, Ertz on the other side for the Eagles, but Wentz loves his tight ends, and he's finding both of them, and and Goddard led the team in targets and had a touchdown last week. So there you go. You can sign up, draftfree.com, play head-to-head with us, and have a good time. So we are out of time. That'll do it for TSN 4 Downs. I'm Andy McNamara, and you've been listening on TSN 1050 and TSN 1150.